Why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside? One, two, three, four. This is the Prying Priest Podcast, and I'm Father Yuri Hladio. You're listening to the first half of an unedited interview about the personal stories of amazing people and why they have come to believe what they do. The second half of these interviews are reserved for patrons only. If you like this show, visit my website, pryingpriest.com, for more content and to learn how you can become a patron of the show. Enjoy the first half of this interview. Welcome, Monica, to the Prying Priest Podcast. Crap, I'm so excited. I know, right? So we're actually recording this in person at Hendry's Barbershop. At work on a day off. At work on a day off. So Monica, you're a barber, and that's how I got to know you. Um, You were here, when did you start at the barbershop, actually? I think you weren't here too long until I also came on. That's right. Um, I came December of three years ago, which, 2017? Yeah, and I came in February of 2018. Crazy. Okay. Wow. Yeah. So I got to know you as a barber here. Uh, and then over the years, you just start chatting and you have an interesting story and I'm interested to learn more about it. From what I understand, you're sort of recently started to get more in touch with kind of spirituality slash whatever all that stuff means. Right. Yeah. You want to maybe talk about getting, getting that feeling of wanting to reconnect. Uh, and then maybe when you're done that, we'll go back to the beginning, kind of work from there. Yeah, to be honest, um, well, we were even talking kind of how this came up, um, me listening to The Prying Priest. Mm. Um, I would say for a while, growing up, I grew up Roman Catholic. Um, Mom was very devout. Dad was practicing for a while. Um, And so basically it was intertwined in every facet of our lives growing up. Um, I would say there was a point where I did not really feel like that was something that I wanted to continue doing. Um, and it came, I think for a while it came to a point where because it was kind of, I will say, um, it felt like it was forced upon me for a while, um, that it was whether it's in my nature to be kind of, um, let's say, uh, rebellious, Mm -hmm, (laughs) maybe is mm -hmm. the right word. Um, I kind of, I saw it as the opposite of where I wanted to be. I think if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so there was, I will say for sure, I'm just starting to kind of take off that layer of resentment I felt towards the faith. Yeah. I think it's more complicated than that. I think there was a little bit of like any person with your upbringing, yeah. it's kind of intertwined. Well, a lot of, a lot, a lot of that, a lot of those early memories are tied up with our relationships with our parents. That's right. Exactly. Right. How we're formed and everything. So, um, I think, well, we'll go back to when I was, I would say in high school where it was that kind of the threshold of me deciding to be like, like, yo, Peace. Sorry, this is right, right. Kind of yeah. putting my foot down, I the, guess. The high school and rebellious years. That's yeah, that's right. Um, and I think until that point, we would we were going to church pretty consistently up until like I was actually in grade nine. Um, then it was more like weekends. My mom would be like, mm-hmm. 
you guys going to come? Um, us being like, no, no, no. You guys going to come? No, no, no. You guys yeah. going to come? Okay, I'm leaving. It's too late. Like that kind of yeah, yeah. back and forth. And so it started mm-hmm. to kind of... The Sunday morning fight. That, oh my gosh. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what, what was your experience of church like in your young, like say elementary school days or young, young days? Like, did you enjoy it? Did you hate it? Yeah. Um, I would say, so at a certain point, I'm trying to remember what age I was when I I started altar serving. So I was actually Mm. involved in the mass. Yeah. Um, which I think like my enjoyment of it probably came from seeing like it was a community, right? So we'd be able to see some of our friends and their families there. And mm-hmm. um, I think the musical aspect of the mass was pretty, pretty awesome. Um, the people that were involved in putting that together were pretty inspiring, just super nice. And like we were taking music lessons as kids. So there was kind of like that kind of um, connection to it. Um, and I don't know, I, I would say what's standing out in my mind would be like a Christmas, I guess, vigil, would you call it? Yeah. Um, where it's just that like peaceful, serene, lights are dimmed, everything's just like, that was one of the coolest vibes, I would say, if you can say that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We call that uh, in, the, in, uh, in the church, we call it that holy gloom. Really? Well, I call it holy gloom. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, oh my gosh, I remember one time, um, I'm pretty sure it was a, um, a vigil mass. Is it, is am I saying that right? Yeah, like sure. It, like midnight mass, vigil mass. Yeah. yeah. Um, the one priest was just like, he, he was, a, I would say, um, he was into performing arts. So he would act in different plays in the community. And, uh, so he took that kind of drama to, um, portray the actual birth of Christ. He brought in animals, like well, let them down. Yes, live animals. Wow. So okay. we had like someone wrangling the, oh my gosh. But it was like- In the church. In the church. In a Roman Catholic church. In a Roman Catholic church. Yeah. Yeah. So he created like a manger scene at the front and, um, it, well, it was like kind of humorous too because these are freaking like wild animals, <laughs> right? They're just like <laughs> roaming off and like a pretty sure one took a shit at some point. Yep. And, uh, but like stuff like that, that, that kind of stands out from the, um, I guess just consistency yeah. of the celebration and, um, yeah. Yeah. So it sounds like community music, kind of the, the, maybe some of the theatrics of it or the, the high holidays. What, to what degree was like the gospel slash Jesus like part of your church experience? That's kind of a funny question, but uh, it's I'm curious. Yeah. Because um, I think a lot of people go to church um, uh, as part of their, uh, let's say, cultural kind of expression or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's actually not much about Jesus in their lives necessarily. Um, so I was wondering, yeah, what, 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 is the, what was the connection going to Roman Catholic Church and growing up, but then actually encountering this character named Jesus? Interesting question. I think ultimately, even as a kid, like we went to Sunday school and stuff like that. Um, all of, we were speaking of narratives the other day, but all of the narratives, um, 
that we were whether that was like explained to you as a kid and uh in a different way like not word for word from mm -hmm. any of the uh the text um you got an idea of jesus as a person that was kind of like the first connection i would say mm -hmm. um to the faith um i mean you're you're seeing what it's kind of like um perfect example of the way to live right it's like um and i think I would say it's definitely like a, not if a kid was to look at a superhero, but maybe kind of that, yep. that sense. He was definitely, um, I, I think that was um, pretty comforting as a kid to, to have this. Um, it, he's never portrayed as like um, anything but a gentle kind of nurturing, I mean, yep. anything you yep. read, right? So. Um, yeah. And as far as like, I think over the years, it, it kind of started to be not a, um, not a storytelling, but more of like, you're starting to break down his messages in a more kind of right. mature fashion. And I mean, mm -hmm. Um, depends on the priest. We had a number of yeah. priests during the years that uh, they're all like everyone has their different interpretations and yeah. ways to kind of um, mm -hmm. get that across. But uh, so then you you sort of, from what I'm getting, is this an accurate representation? So when you're young, you sort of look to Jesus as, in theory, somebody you could look at that had good values and that you could kind of lean on and, and trust on. Like that was absolutely okay. Absolutely. Um, I would say when I would pray when I was younger, it would be having a conversation, even just thinking about it now, it would be that person, Jesus, mm -hmm. me sitting down and just like talking to praying to him, not praying to God. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then we're, what was your first encounter like with, say, people that didn't believe what you did? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah. Maybe not the first encounter, but maybe some of the memories the of early, first early, encountering yeah, yeah, people yeah, that didn't Yeah, kind of, believe. yeah, a yeah. little conflict. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, definitely elementary school. Um, the families who, yes, they were all baptized, not practicing. Um, little kids can be bullies, right? So, yeah, of um, course. I, little kids are monsters. <laughs> yeah. Little kids are not nice angelic beings. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would say, I, I don't know. I just probably, um, I don't know, grade five or grade six, you start being like, oh yeah. Like, what are you guys doing on the weekend? I'm like, um, blah, blah, blah. Sunday, probably going to church. You guys still go to church? That kind of stuff mm -hmm. where it was like, this was the norm in our household. Mm -hmm. um, and so it kind of sparked that, oh, this is like, there's people that completely, um, not to sound ignorant, but that live a different kind of lifestyle that's completely opposite of what we live. Like, right. Yeah. Um, because it was intertwined in every, like, everything we did, even in home life too. Right. Yeah. Um, 
So you said you prayed like you would pray. More so probably before bed when we were kids. And then, um, I mean, we would say grace before meals and everything like that. Um, Mm. But even if like I wasn't doing the sign of the cross and kind of just, I mean, quiet reflection, right? Praying is a bunch of different things. Yeah. Um, I would say I kind of lost doing that um, in high, I'd say high school um, became less of a part of my um, daily ritual, I'd say. Um, You said high school was the time where you, where you basically started to rebel. Yeah. Um, (laughs) There's all that. Was it it like a slow, slow growing uh, rebellion or was there like an inciting incident or? This is so interesting. I think I'd have to do more reflection to to figure out and pinpoint the exact, uh, exact moment if there was like kind of an explosive, because I'm sure there was many incidents where um, something snapped. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, what, what was- I would say it's like uh, like the perfect storm of like puberty, um, going into high school and having all these transitions and just, yeah. I mean, a lot of things like that where I think also to mental health for myself had something to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been through many depressions in my life. Mm-hmm. And so I think even just that mental state of being a little bit more low is kind of conducive to just being kind of neglectful to any. Yeah. yeah, It's like not, you can't really get to that positive open-mindedness that I think not necessarily saying that you have to be happy all the time when you're thinking about faith or being spiritual or practicing Mm -hmm. or anything like that, but just to kind of have, um, I don't know. I think it just kind of so there's like an it. apathy there. Yeah, maybe totally. And then, uh, yeah. W- what are maybe some of the main issues that you would have cited for the reason for your rebellion at the time? So like you're, you're in high school or whatever, you know, whenever this is going on, um, if w- when you were that age, what would you point to as the reasons why maybe you're not liking the Catholic church or whatever it might be? I think, um, I think it had, and this is where it gets kind of complicated for me that I'm still, I mean, life's always like this where it's a kind of day by day, um, change as far as how you view your past self, your current self and everything like that. Um, I've recently been trying to deconstruct the parent and the um, religion. Like I was saying, Mm -hmm. like, I think mainly my mom, Mm -hmm. we really clashed. Uh, There was a lot of um, don't do this. Um, Self-image was a huge thing where it's like, you can't wear this. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And so I think that maybe just not being able to be me and not have my own choice as far as what I'm, yeah. that was all kind of, I, I don't know if I could actually pinpoint. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and is that how you would have framed it in that moment? 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, or no, sorry. Um, in that moment, I would have, it would have been a lot more simplistic. It would have been more like maybe even just taking on some of um, my um, classmates' ideas about it, where it's super lame. Yeah, yeah. Why would you think this and this and this and this, right? Yeah. Um, peer pressure, mm-hmm. wanting to fit in. Mm-hmm. Mostly, I would say, influenced by a lot of that stuff. Um because ultimately it's like your roots, your foundation, right? It's like you're trying to figure yourself out. And mm-hmm. um, yeah, I, I would say for many years, it's kind of that kind of detached. I would say not grounded for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, started probably since high school. Yeah. Yeah. And then did you ever go, I guess, because there was a point where you basically stopped going to church. Yeah. On a regular basis. Mm-hmm. Did you continue going for like Christmas or was there a time where you just like didn't go for years or what's, I guess since then, what's been your experience of actually attending services? Yeah. Um, you know what? I think it gradually gets more and more, there's more and more time between um, going to a celebration. Um, from high school, I would say it was maybe the first couple years of it, um, there would still be that back and forth pull. Um, and I would just concede sometimes. So it'd probably be like, I don't know, anywhere from like 10 to 15 times. Um, there's also, we'll get back to it, but there was a point where it was, um, and I talked to you about it before where I was, um, straight up forced to go on a retreat, um, where I kind there was kind of this I guess, reawakening as you'd call it. Um, and I became very devout, but that was like a half a year where I'm like, yeah, this is it. Like, oh yeah, this is, this is me. Um, but as of recently, I would say it, it was many years until, um, there wasn't that kind of, um, question, are you going to come with me to church in Mm -hmm. the morning? It was just kind of, I, I would say the past like five or six years, it's kind of just been not a thing anymore. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe we can go to that experience if you're okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so how old were you? Uh, this was, I want to say this was grade 10. Okay. So you're like around that like 15, 16 yep. kind of age. And uh, we talked a little bit about it the other day, but as far as I remember, there was some sort of retreat. And I guess you were forced to go on this retreat. Like, no joke, kicking and screaming. Yeah. Like, I don't know if there was some kind of cool thing happening that weekend where it's like, <laughs> no, just kidding. You're going to go to, I think it was in Windsor. Um, mm, the you're gonna go there metropolis for the- of Windsor. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so enticing. Um, go over here for like, you're going to sleep there. You're yeah. going to go with people that you don't know, mm-hmm. um, except my uh, second cousin mm-hmm. who um, him and his mother were involved, um, I think, in that group for a number of years. Um, there's no there's no carrot dangling for me at this. This yeah. is like you don't want to go I, no. at all. <laughs> You're going to make it miserable for yourself and for everyone else. The, oh, my gosh. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
Sweet. So what was going on at the at the retreat? Like, yeah. So basically, I'm assuming it would be something like prayer time, youth leaders trying to be hip and cool, probably something like that. Definitely. I remember sitting on the, the ground with our legs crossed, like they encourage like just chill. Exactly. Just like. Um, God's cool. Guys. Made it, yes, God, exactly. Jesus is just so cool. That's right. That's right. Um, and I did, I remember I was telling you too, one of the things that stands out was um, just the stories from these people and their struggles in life. Um, and I think that that ultimately, like seeing these these people who their faith stories were kind of up and down, um, made it um, more tangible or relatable, I guess. Um, not seeing this perfect picture painted, I guess, maybe, mm, right? Yeah. Of like, this is just what we believe, right? This is how it's always been. And if been. you sign on the dotted line, your life will be perfect. That's right. Mm. Yep. Never stray. Yeah. No. Not that that's what the the message was through the years because, I mean, that's a different story. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but... uh yeah, it, it was, um, I think that's how coming outside of that retreat, I, I got to a point of maybe this is not what I thought it was. Maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was. Mm -hmm. Um, and just, I mean, seeing it like the medium is the message, right? Seeing it from a different person other than my parental figures. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that that made a difference as well. Um, and yeah, so there was a little bit of, there was a little bit of praying. There was storytelling. I think we made a meal together. There was like, I know there was a bunch of like icebreaker games and stuff like that. Yep. And uh, actually one of the coolest parts about it, um, it's funny reflecting on this. <laughs> mm. um, at the very end, they didn't say, uh, I don't know if we knew exactly when it was going to wrap up. We knew it was like mid-afternoon on, I think we went the Saturday morning, stayed Saturday night, Sunday afternoon. Um, we're all kind of just like saying our goodbyes to each other, whatever. And um, I think there was one more like activity they had planned. And then I'm trying to remember the exact um, unfolding if it was so I think we received letters from our parents, handwritten letters that was basically it, um, saying how proud they were of us and mm -hmm. just like basically a heartfelt message to mm -hmm. your daughter or son who, who did this and their kind of perspective and yeah, just, just kind words really. Mm -hmm. Um, and so as soon as we read these letters, like super emotional, right? I mean, depending on how you're raised and what your relationship is your parent with your parents is like seeing my dad handwrite this, like, I think I still have it, to be honest. I think yeah. I have it in one of my wallets. It's like a whole page of just like spilling your guts, right? Mm -hmm. When verbally, sometimes you don't have that yeah, kind exactly. of, right? And so it was very like moving. I remember, I think I started crying. And then they bring you into the gymnasium where your parents are there. Mm -hmm. And so it was like this, like, just flood of emotions, right? Mm -hmm. So I remember whether, it, like, 
that was a that was a high. That was like, I mean, emotional release. That was like, um, there was a kind of like reconnection to my parents of sorts of, um, um, yeah, kind of dropping all those kind of um, negative feelings towards um, their uh, approach to raising us and just being like, yo, like, <laughs> it doesn't really matter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're, you're my parent. Mm -hmm. I love you regardless of anything, right? Right. Um, and so from there, I went back to high school being like a little more confidence in what I, at the time I was believing. Mm -hmm. And um, I think more just like hopeful in that sense. Um, yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I don't think a lot of people get that experience with their parents. Mm -mm. Right. I, I, I think that a lot of parents assume that the child knows. It's amazing to think about that, right? Where mm -hmm. I think that's, um, even right now I'm thinking about things that I've, I've wanted to like sit down and just have a straight up conversation with my parents. Um, mm -hmm. You have this idea of, for myself anyway, making it more um, formal, mm -hmm. right? Where you're just like, so, I would like to talk to you. You know what yeah, I mean? Just like yeah. getting into it. So just like, yeah. oh yeah. Like, so I've brought an agenda to this. That's meeting. right. Yeah. Oh, you're watching Stranger Things. Oh, cool. So, um, about God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, there's something, whether it's like, and I'm even feeling it right now, that kind of like butterfly feeling of like ultimately vulnerability, um, and yeah, maybe, maybe people have a little bit of fear of how it's going to be received and everything like that. That open dialogue seems so simple um, when you think about it. But yeah, oh my goodness, there's... there's... There's a reason why sacraments like confession exist, right? It's it's the church in certain ways has tried its hardest to give people a space and an opportunity to make it as easy as possible yeah. to actually <laughs> say these words out loud, Right. Um, obviously, confession can be abused and, and used in, in wrong ways, but but in its kind of baseline purpose is just to 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 give a cleared away space where someone can actually say out loud all those thoughts that are in your head. Because when when you're thinking, you're not actually thinking. Mm -hmm. You're just things are swimming around in your brain, and not until you actually say them out loud do you actually start categorizing and building that narrative of your life? Um, and until you actually say it out loud, um, it's, it's an, uh, you are an unintegrated person. It, it's, it's all floating around in a big mishmash. Absolutely. Um, it's kind of like having a bedroom that you think, you know, you've set up your bedroom and then you come, you, you bring somebody to show them how like great your bedroom is. And they're like, this isn't that. <laughs> this isn't that good right and that's sort of like thinking like you you know you you have your mental furniture yeah. in all these places but then not until you actually Amazing. share that with, with yeah. other people and they can they can they and they will and it's going to be you know blood to the end because as soon as you share there's it's no it's no longer just a you thing right and they're going to have their perspective and everything and it's going to adjust yours and you're going to realize your own shortcomings but you'll also realize what is true in there as well I yeah. mean, I think even in just having this conversation with you and knowing myself that there's like, I'm 33, there's mm -hmm. a sense of me feeling like it's been 
such a long time until I've started, like, I started therapy recently. We, mm-hmm. I think we were talking about, too, that being obviously a safe space to mm-hmm. speak your mind and start to do some of what you were just saying. Um, but I think even when we were talking about reconciliation, like, oh, my gosh, that same feeling of just, I remember there was uh, one time in high school, they offered it, um, I think it was, maybe it was a couple times a year. And there's probably two different times, but this one time in particular, they had set up, it was in the gymnasium, right? They had set up these little, like, um, I don't know, makeshift cubicles with mm-hmm. a little, like, curtain and everything. And um, I remember just sitting in class and my mom's like, are you going to, to reconciliation today? And I'm like, yeah, like, just whatever, right? Um and the time coming and me literally just like, I can remember looking at the clock sitting in the classroom, 10 minutes. Oh my God. Like literally sweating in my seat because I don't know, I'd swore my, there was these like sins mm-hmm. that I was about to confess that I just was like, were eating me up. Right. And I'm like, I don't know if I can say this. And, mm-hmm. um, that hesitancy, if I could be like, you know what, it would just be easier to, to not do this. Of course. But I think maybe that's something to be said about about parenting, that idea of like, this is something that you should do. And maybe that obligation kind of coaxed me along at that point. And then once I was there, of course, like, I mean, one of the biggest reliefs afterwards, right, where you're just like, someone just listened to all that, like you were saying, it's out of your head and you yeah. you feel lighter. Um, there's resolve. There's yeah. this kind of like back to back to baseline, I guess. Right. Of just like, I'm human. Everybody has similar things that they've like, there's, I can see them. They're talking to Mm -hmm. people right now. Right. We're all, we're all human. I had, I had a, a, a story that happened recently, like within the last couple of weeks. Okay. Where, um, more to this point, I know this is your time, but no, 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 no. I would, I would love to hear. And I, uh, I, I was maybe, let's just say, dealing with certain emotional um, things, mm-hmm. right? Certain, you know, whatever, yep. certain emotional things. Um, and I had not yet verbalized them in my, in my, I told myself, I'm just, I'm going to think this through first. I'm going to think this Sit through. Sit on it. Yeah. Think yep. this through, right? And, you know, it was two, two days later after, you know, like, you know, it's been about two days of me kind of like, Calling it over. Thinking it yes, through. yes, yes. Just um, time. Because I, I have the tendency not to say, what needs to be said or, or to not share. Right. Uh, so I, me and, uh, Nikaila are at the grocery store and I'm looking at different stir fry sauces and I, you know, I'm like, Oh, like which stir fry sauce would you like? She's like, well, we could probably make our own at home, which is her way of saying, don't waste your money right, okay. on, on this. And I really wanted the stir fry sauce. And then all of a sudden I, I got like really annoyed like really annoyed at my wife and, and, but I mean, she, she had no idea that I was annoyed at her because I can like, I, I can control it. I can control it and and not show whatever. Yeah. And we just kind of go on shopping, but I'm just like, I'm kind of, yeah, my (laughs) my eyes twitching, you know? Um, and like we, we buy, we, we go home and everything and, and we're bringing things up and I'm like a little short with her and I'm like, I'm going for a walk. Right. And like, and I go for a walk because I had to just, go and and then 
on my walk, I had time, no music, no iPhone, no, like no anything, just going for the walk. And then I was able to really kind of process my emotions. And I realized that I was, um, before I knew exactly what was emotionally bothering me or how, how to sort of properly deal with it, um, it came out first in these emotions, right? That like it, it bubbled up in ways that seemed unrelated, right? Me being annoyed at Nikaila really had nothing to do with stir fry sauce. That's right. It's like packing these things in a right. bag. Mm-hmm. There being a little slit in the bag. Yeah. Nikaila's standing beside said bag. Yes. It explodes on her face. <laughs> right. Exactly. And and uh, and I was like kind of reflecting on that and da 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 da. da. And then I came home and I said, Nikaila, like I was really annoyed at you. And she goes, I had no idea. <laughs> Um, but like, it's because of this kind of emotional issue and like, this is what, this is what I'm dealing with. Like, this is what I'm thinking about and everything like that. And she's like, okay, well, thanks for telling me, you know, and, uh, and then boom, like it was just better. The problem wasn't solved. Right. No, but but it was, yeah, it was better. That's right. Right. And just immediately I was like, oh, like the, the world is kind of bright. (laughs) Like it's, it's not gray. It's instantaneous and it's, it's pretty cool. Um, I can definitely um, relate. There's something that happened between my husband and I mm-hmm. a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty significant. And I think dealing, there'd be probably more stages of um, emotions dealing with this um, than... I don't know, say like one particular argument or something like that. It, it was pretty, pretty catastrophic, I would mm-hmm. say to, to me. Um, and so doing therapy and everything like that, I'm definitely taking care of myself more than I have in my entire life. Um, unpacking things. And, but like you were saying to make that connection of misplaced anger or sadness or anything like that, um, I had the same kind of thing happen the other day. We were, it's all the mundane things, right? We were yeah. cooking dinner or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, or no, we were trying to think we were trying to decide who was going to cook dinner or something mm-hmm. like that. And I can be a little passive aggressive at times, but, uh, his just being like, I don't know, like I'm tired. Like, I'm like, I'm freaking tired too. I was on my feet and just like from zero to a hundred. Right. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, to be able to acknowledge what's happening, it gets sooner and sooner, I think, with practice that you realize that too. Um, it's like anything. There's these kind of human things that happen. Um, they're cycles, right? Where um, it's, I think we were talking about it as um, not necessarily physical movements, but do you remember what we were saying about um, how there's there's practices you can do without actually thinking about them during the like, day? Uh, oh, oh, like uh, a lot of the activities we actually do in our daily life are just involuntary. Involuntary, right? exactly. Like, so if you think about showering, you d- you're not thinking about showering yeah. at all. Your body just does it. Yeah. And that's why people have shower thoughts, yeah. <laughs> right? That's why people have shower revelations Yeah. because your brain is somewhere else, Yeah. right? Yeah, anyways. Definitely. So um, – I think that that same potentially I've, I've read a bunch of stuff, but potentially the same part of the brain um, is active in these kind of back and forth um, dialogues, right? And just cycles that you build. Um, and so I think with 
acknowledging the problem and starting to break it down, like I said, the time um, that you notice them happening, there's less of a cool down, I think, uh, or less of a, more of a, um, a faster cool down, I would say, where as, almost as soon as it would like escape my mouth, I'm like, I know where this is coming from. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, because ultimately that, that range of emotion, right. When it's so abrupt and like, I mean, there'd be times I'd be talking to clients where I'm like, they would say something and I would say I'm more of an emotional person, very, very sensitive, um, where <laughs> they tell me something and I start to like well up and like almost yep. like full on tears, right. Where I'm like, no human being should just like react this way. Right. It's just, it was, it was too much. Right. So that I think those, those are the kind of hints, the, the scale of mm -hmm. whatever emotion comes out is like. Some of the advice that I give alert. to people uh, is to actually say it once you, when you realize why it is, you said, you know, you lashed out and you said that thing or whatever to immediately, like once you realize it, say that out loud and, and, ex and explain it. Right. Yeah. So, so this, there's this fun scene in the office where uh, Andy is mad for some reason and his girlfriend comes up and like tries to say something to defend him and he like gets mad at her, but he's like, I'm sorry I did that. I just said it. I'm, I'm, I've got a lot of anger and, and it's, it's, it's not directed at you, but it's coming out in a weird ways. So I'm very sorry. And uh, yeah, if you can do that, it helps so much yes right? or I'll, cool. I'll say something to nikaila and be like by the way i only said that because i'm displacing other anger or whatever straight up um, yeah. yeah i mean that's that's communication right that's like yeah. and the um, more you do it the better you are at doing it and then often i will say that first right it's preface with <laughs> and it, then right? try not this to say the mean to, thing yeah exactly it's yeah, like, yeah. i want to say something mean but i the reason i want to say something mean is because this other thing happened it has nothing to do with you so i'm not going to say that thing. yes no seriously and then she can positively reinforce me and yeah. you know give me a little piece of chocolate or something and then, <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly like how cool is that though to be able to be on the other side of that and like be ahead of your emotions i think that's i mean for me anyway that like throughout my life, there's more of those explosions than I think a normal right. person, I would say, mm -hmm. um, whether it being tears or anger. Um, so yeah, just emotional regulation, these things you don't learn necessarily when you're a kid. Mm -hmm. um, it's, it's fascinating. I, uh, and I think that's maybe one of the coolest things about being in a partnership, right? Where you're able to so intimately discover these things about yourself and then just mm. kind of work on them like daily like it's yeah it's not all fun and games marriage is hard um but there's like those revelatory moments that, that you're just like damn this is what it's all about that's so cool the one of the purposes of marriage is because we are not perfect people <laughs> and uh when you it's very interesting that when when you're with somebody you don't want to be with somebody who is overly uh that you have too much conflict with, but you also don't want to be with somebody that you have too little conflict with. So basically a good marriage is one in which there is conflict. Yes. Like you need to have you conflict have to understand because, that. because the other person um, forces you to uh, look towards a higher goal. That's and right. And you do that together. That's right. Right. And if there's no conflict, then. Then what are you doing? Twiddling your thumbs and trying right. to make up. Right. Yeah. And yeah. if there's too much conflict, it's, you, it's 
it's not worth it to be there in the first place. Yeah. So it's, and I mean, there's like the, the ebb balance. and flow as well, right? Of just life experiences and things. And I think that I always just get this visual of a scale where it's like, this is my time to hold the two of us, right? Like mm-hmm. if you just, yeah, you, I guess the pendulum swings, right? It's like yep. this week, it's just been too much on Brent and yeah. um, I got to, I got to step up. Right. So you're, mm-hmm. it's, it's cool how that uh, you never know. You can't like expect or anticipate, um, but you, yeah, you get used to it. Mm-hmm. Right. It's mm-hmm. uh, you kind of grow into it and that, uh, that flow becomes a little more natural and yeah. So we got about five minutes left in the public episode. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to tease some of the listeners about what I'm going to ask you in, <laughs> in the uh, stay uh, tuned in the Patreon episode. So what I want to ask about in the Patreon episode is that like recently you've been, I think, trying to get in touch with certain uh, spiritual practices and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Um, uh, so I'm going to ask about that and and kind of what you maybe want out of it or 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 why you're kind of going back towards there um, and what the practices are and what you've done and what you haven't done and uh, what you won't do and, you know, everything like that. Um, I'm also going to ask about um, like your relationship to the Roman Catholic church today Current, yes. uh, to see like, is that something that you could see yourself going back to? Or is it like, I, you know, do you appreciate it, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go back or whatever it is. Right. So I'm going to sort of ask about that. that. That's for the patrons though. So if you want to hear that, you have to, Become a patron and uh, do it. It three levels of uh, you know membership. You know, twelve bucks a month gets you access to basically an entirely new podcast. Yep. Um, you're only getting half a podcast if you're not a patron. So become a patron and support me because I don't have any ads on this. I don't have any ads on this, and um, I don't believe in ads. Anyways, that's enough of my Patreon plug. What? What do you make of, this is going to sound like a weird question. What do you make of God? (laughs) So it's funny that you say that. Um, Thinking of, I think when I was younger, it was this entity. I will say there's a male association with it. Um, And so I think... um, now, I've even over the years struggled using that word. Um, I think intertwined with <laughs> my my rebellion, right? It was kind of just all thrown aside in a very black and white way. Probably not healthy, but um, I would say I'm just starting to be okay with using the word God again. Um, over the years, I would say. I felt I felt God as more of it was just the knowing, I guess. Um, deep down, it's there's this draw, right? Um, to understand and be in kind of um, reverence of yourself, creation. Um, I think the beauty of the world for me, it's just ultimately wherever I look, um, harder to see when I'm in my depressive state, but, um, when I'm a little more baseline, if you will, 
um, it at times is just like awe-inspiring. Um, I think we were talking the other day about this one particular moment that kind of solidified me in never straying from not having that foundation, I guess you would call it, um, of knowing, um, which happened at the retreat weekend after reconciliation. Um, so I was sitting in this, I think it was a chapel in the church that we were at, or sorry, the school, the high school we were at. And I was by myself. We'd go in one by one. So I did uh, my reconciliation and then did my penance in the chapel. And I remember just sitting there once it was all done and kind of, um, I don't know if it was like a subconscious, this just came to me, subconscious, just, well, what's next? Because it was such a pivotal point for me. Um, and then I felt this, it was, I can't describe it in any other way other than somebody coming from behind me and hugging me. And I physically felt it. And I remember just sitting there for a second, just being instantly accepting of it. Um, and just, it was like, okay. And I kind of just like in my head nodded. I'm like, all right, that's it from like, I know. And I think I underestimate not revisiting that moment enough. Um, or I underestimate the power of that moment in my life. Um, call it like, I don't know, supernatural, um, call it whatever, but it was, I mean, you don't really need words for, for those kind of moments. Um, so yeah, I, I think, I think as far as God, I think I will always have some, whether I can't explain it or not, whether I want to define it, define it in the parameters of a religion or um, a belief system or not. I just, I'm a spiritual person. I, I believe in God. You've just finished listening to the first half of this interview. Find out how to access the second half by visiting my website, pryingpriest.com. We'll see you next time. Say, why would you look outside yourself when you have all of the world inside?